TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys on a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys on a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome you to the Two Guys at a Mic Show. Thanks for joining us. Beautiful, beautiful Thursday here in the fine city of Chicago. The coach of the Big Dog with you right up until 11 o'clock. Talking sports and more on the docket for today. We got college basketball talk. We got a lot of NBA talk, uh, not only on the court, but off the court with uh, trades and coaches switching around, all kinds of information in the NFL talks. We'll do a little. Uh, NFL draft talk as well. We got PGA golf tournament, little Accenture match play. I love the match play. Love the match play uh, concept in golf. Number one seed Tiger Woods, by the way, already out of it here locally in Chicago. Our Bulls got a big game tonight against the Miami Heat and our uh, Stanley Cup winning head coach, Joel Keenville, out of the hospital, back behind the bench for the Blackhawks. All that and more. The two guys at a mic show. Uh, David Olson, our fine producer on the other side of the glass without further. Joseph Adu, I'd like to welcome in my good partner, checking in via the telecommunicated phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. It is the rotund one, Mr. Joel Radwanski. Joel, how are you? Rotund? I don't know where that came from. I mean, I mean I've mean, i been eating a lot lately. I don't about, know if you call me rotund. Uh, how about that? slightly puffy? I don't even know if I'm puffy. I'll take puffy if, if that's what you're going to call me, Coach. All right. There was a time when you were... Uh, you were, you know, fairly chiseled, in good shape, mean, lean, fighting machine. And, of course, as we've uh, all heard on this show, your calves in particular were outstanding and uh, seen oh, in a couple are, of muscle magazines. They, well, they haven't been, you know, photoed in, in any magazines lately, but they're still chiseled, Coach. Okay. Yeah, I still take good care of them. All right. An so hour the, a day, just rubbing them up. Now, how do you do that? Because the rest of the body gets a little bit puffy, but you still keep the calves chiseled. That's uh, interesting specificity, mus- muscular specificity. Well, as soon as I can get like a set schedule, I think the rest of me won't be uh, a little bit puffy that it that it's turned into over the last couple months. Oh, good. Glad to hear it, big dog. Yeah, it, it's good to know that there's so much going on in the world of sports, and we're talking about how puffy I am. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not only sports, but we got all you know the world problems across the world here, and problems uh, up north of us in the fine. State of Wisconsin with the governor battling the union. We've got all kinds of problems, Big Dog, but the important thing is the Cubs had their exhibition opener against Oakland this Sunday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's really important. Got to make sure you get off to a good start in Mesa. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, the, figure out the starting lineup for our opening uh, exhibition game, but uh, right now I've got about uh, 11 different lineups. I plan to have it pared down to about four by tomorrow's show. Well, uh, we have uh, Ramos Ramirez will be leading off, but don't worry, they got uh, they got his little kid is going to run for him, so we don't have to worry about him pulling a groin. Mm-hmm. Well, at least his own. Yeah, I wonder how much bunting practice Ramos has put in in Camp Quade with the Chicago Cubs this far. Oh no, he's been doing a lot of it, coach. Supposedly really? he's put up like fourteen different buntings around the inside of the infield because <laughs> they know they're not going to use it during October this okay. year. Okay, no, 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 not not that kind of bunting. I meant like what bunting kind of bunting as in. Do you mean, coach? Sacrifice bunting. Yeah, I wonder a power hitter like an Aramis Ramirez and Adam Dunn for the White Sox. Do guys like that in a normal spring training camp? Do they uh, do they practice stealing a base 
Does the base running coach get them out of the bases and work on their leadoff and the? Oh, definitely. You think so? Definitely, but I, they absolutely do. But I really, you know, the, the Cubs might have Aramis Ramirez lay one down. I don't know if the White Sox would even work on Adam Dunn laying one down. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't think so. If they really needed somebody sacrificed over, I think Ozzie Gain would be more likely to pinch hit for Adam Dunn mm-hmm. and even have him bother working on it in, in February. Yeah, it's, just Honestly. Cu- it's just curious at that major league level. I mean, obviously guys are – more suited to do other things than than not, but just some of the basics like stealing a base or like bunting, guys that are not good at it at all, do they even practice it in spring training? At, again, at the major league level, it's a, I don't know the answer. I'm just curious to find out. You, you, you know, it's funny that you said that. Now, this is throwing a name from way back that even like the the novice young baseball fan will will know the name. But you know, uh, one of the most underrated bat handlers of all time was Billy Buckner. Mm-hmm. Remember that guy hit behind a runner. Hit it to any side of the infield you want. You ask him to bunt, it's a pop up and it was over with. He couldn't bunt either. It's strange, coaches. I guess it's one of those things where if you were the number three hitter in your lineup all the way and you and you haven't bunted since you were in instructional league, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, go out there and bunt a 97 mile hour fastball, and you're like, I have a better chance of swinging at it and putting it where you want me to instead of just holding the bat out there. So you know, we rip these guys, but you know, some guys just aren't made to bunt. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm with you. They need to practice it, and the eight out of the nine guys in the lineup better be good at it, and that ninth guy better hit 45 home I, runs a season. I, I wasn't even necessarily criticizing it. I was just uh, curious to see. Uh, you know, I, Maybe I need to hang around a major league spring training camp so I can get all these quandaries and questions that I have answered. But uh, you know, just exactly what, what they work on. Do they take an Adam Dunn, a, a DH, a slow runner? And now I'm sure they work a little bit on regular base running, but would the base running coach at any point in time take Adam Dunn? All right, now, if you're going to steal, here's the technique, here's your leadoff technique, here's how we want that explosive first step. I, I guess so, like, if they're not paying any attention to you, yeah. if, uh, if they actually are paying you no mind, we want you to have a short lead, but you make it a walking lead. And as soon as he gets to this point, we want you to take off. You know, so it's probably something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, like, even like a short lead, but if you're walking towards second base when mm-hmm. you start, you stole the base. Even, you know, you could okay. go out there and steal the base right now. But right now what they're working on is as soon as Adam Dunn gets on the first base, he, he turns to uh, the White Sox dugout <laughs> and they're practicing first and second base, and yeah. he taps the helmet, which means he needs a pinch runner. <laughs> now, with Aramis Ramirez, as soon he's got this down perfectly. They were surprised it only took him his second trip down the first base. But he grimaces and, and yells, ow, every time he passes first base. <laughs> Sounds like limps, me in the last couple back. of years of my men's softball. I get on first base. Courtesy runner, courtesy. <laughs> yeah, remember the old adage though, big dog. You can't steal first base. Yeah, ask Michael Bourne that. Oh, the Houston Astros. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, um, the Chicago Cubs have a player they traded for that Mike Quade has a strange attraction for, not physically, but from a baseball standpoint. Mike Quade, the brand new manager of our Chicago Cubs, here. I think the kid's last name is Perez. He can run like the wind, fastest guy in camp, they say. And they're even talking about Big Dog of uh, turning him around from right hand, see if he can hit left handed to get an extra step, step and a half. But uh, speed kills, speed never has a slump. The kid Perez might your fifth outfielder for your Chicago Cup. Oh, I would absolutely love to have a fifth outfielder coach that, yeah. that can go get him in the outfield in the ninth inning as a defensive replacement and mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, like pinch run for Alfonso Soriano. You know, then he goes out there and plays defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that would be phenomenal. The only problem uh, was he batted like 240. 
in the minor leagues. So again, well, back to the was, old adage: you, you you may have a lot of speed, but you can't steal first base. Well, the, the, the sad thing is, if you turn him around to bat him left-handed, oh yeah, he'll have a, a, another step towards first base. Yep. That just means he's going to bat 120 from the left hand. Don't don't try to turn somebody around. That's on the major league level trying to learn how to hit from another side. That mm-hmm. you know, but. In a sense, if you have enough power coming off the bench and the you know on the on the corner infielders and the other in, outfield positions, it's not bad to have a great defensive player, a great base runner on the bench. Mm-hmm. I, I have no problem with that guy as long as the other positions are are right. fully loaded. But now, you if you're see, counting on him to actually hit, that's another issue. Now you've fallen into a little bit of a trap, though, and I'm surprised. Baseball expert Joel Radwanski joining us. We open up the show with a little baseball talk. Don't worry, Hoops fans. We're going to get to that in just a second. Phone lines are open. You want to change the subject here on the show? We highly encourage it. You steer the ship. Me and Joel are just riding back seat. 888 You fell in the trap, though, Big Dog. The guy's got speed. He's got Quickness, you automatically assumed he is an outstanding defensive outfitter. Obviously, speed's important, but a baseball aficionado like yourself, you know there's a lot more to outfielding, the mental part, the cutoffs, the angles, uh, reading I, I batters, the scouting report, the mental part of outfielding. I'm ashamed that you did not uh, at I, least. I will admit this. I, I didn't assume it. Honestly, Coach, I didn't <laughs> assume it just because uh, of his wheels. I assume it because you said Mike Quaddy loves the guy. Okay. And Mike Quaddy is, uh, he emphasizes defense. As a matter of fact, supposedly down in spring training, he's been taking ground balls and, and like, and getting in competitions with the infielders to see who has the best hands on the infield. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's really stressing defense, which you, I don't know how much you realize how much I appreciate a great defensive team because there's never been even an average defensive team who's won the World Series. They've all been very good defensively. I, I know, team. you know, it, it's easy to be popular when you haven't managed that many games yet. Uh, yeah. But so far, so far, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Mike Quaddy. The guy's kind of a it's kind of a combination, Big Dog, of a, of a grizzled veteran because he's been around for a long, long time, but he's got that renewable energy of a first-time head manager. Now, he's been a manager for many years in the minor leagues, but... I like uh, the cut of his jib. He's just a, a pure baseball guy, and he seems to energize, and he's also one of the guys as well. A, a good vibe so far and, over Camp Quade with the Cubs. And he also seems to be uh, like a player's coach Yes, that demands uh, perfection. You know, it's like a, he's walking that fine line of being like, hey, uh, you guys do what you need to do. You know, uh, you guys do it the way you want to do it in a sense. Uh, but you better you better get the results or else you're not going to do it that way anymore. Mm-hmm. He's letting these guys like do their own warm ups and like it's it's pretty cool how he's he's actually managed so far. Okay. Uh and here's an inter I was gonna ask this question too, but e- emailer Hung Low Harry wants to know do they practice this is a good question, do they practice sliding in major league spring training camps? Again, you know, the question from Hung Low Harry. You know what, coach, I I bet you it varies from camp to camp. So you're but, telling uh, me some camps might well, not even – Like just, in the New York Yankee camp, they are definitely, without question, practicing sliding. Why Why the Yankee camp? Because the Yankees, since Miller Huggins was their manager, has done every single fundamentally sound thing that you possibly can think of. They uh, still take, they're the only team in all of Major League Baseball that takes infield practice before every single game. Interesting. They're the only ones that – uh, like they they do like this around the horn uh, ground ball thing that, that 
Joe Girardi gets out there and hits ground balls with everybody before the game, and they've been doing it since the uh, early 1920s. Mm-hmm. And uh, supposedly their spring training like thoroughly and totally focuses on okay. just the fundamentals of baseball. That's a little so, like they bunt and they they go first to third. Everybody's got to go first to third like four or five times uh, of spring training mm-hmm. practice. To the average fan, that's uh, could be somewhat surprising because your image. A little bit, at least, as the New York Yankees, as these high-priced superstar-type players, you would think maybe the Yankees would be one of the least teams that would practice some of the fundamentals. But you're telling me this is a Yankee tradition that has gone back to Miller Huggins. My next question is, who's Miller Huggins? Oh, come on, Coach. I never heard of Miller Huggins. You know, you're joking, right? No. He's the manager of the Murderers Row team, the 1927 Yankees, probably the second-greatest team of all time behind the 1931 Oakland A's. I well remember the uh, Murderers Road team. Jimmy Fox, one of my all-time favorite old players, but I, I I was not aware of Miller Huggins. I'd never even heard of the guy. Yeah, Jimmy Fox is on that A's team that I, I think is the greatest team of all time, but the 27 Yankees. Yeah, Miller Huggins was the manager. Miller Huggins was also, uh, uh, he he used to kick Ruth off the team all the time and fine him. He used to fine him like 100 bucks back in the day when a $100 fine to a baseball player was like mm-hmm. the largest you would ever hear of. So. Okay, and but then, uh, it's uh, I don't know. It's pretty cool. He he's the one who kicked Miller Huggins kicked Leo DeRocher off of the Yankees because Babe Ruth almost killed Leo DeRocher because Leo DeRocher stole Babe Ruth's uh, uh, beer money when uh, <laughs> Babe Ruth had passed out on the uh, in his room, and that's no joke, Coach. Uh, so. a, a young Leo DeRocher did that. Yeah, Leo DeRocher was a son of a bitch, and as a matter of fact, they kicked him out of the American League, and uh-huh. he was never allowed to play in the American League because they found out he was stealing from all his teammates. That's no joke. Interesting. Never heard of that. The feisty uh, ex-manager of the Chicago Cubs who became known as uh, Leo the Lip here in Chicago. Yeah, he was Leo the Nick back in the day because he used to <laughs> nick your wallet all the time. Oh, goodness. But the, but getting back to a Hunglo Harry's question, it's interesting. On the other side of it, you do think there are some... Spring training camps, some Major League Baseball teams that might not break it down and actually teach the players how to slide. No, I, I bet you they go through all, like, every single team goes through every single situation. So back, so back, like, when like when September 1st happens and somebody does something stupid, the manager's going to be like, well, we worked on that back in spring training. Mm-hmm. But stuff like sliding, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if every single team does mm-hmm. it. That, that's, a, that's a really difficult question. Maybe, you know, because there are, like, more advanced slides. So maybe, I mean, I, they obviously assume major league players know how to do the regular slide into the base. They probably bring out, like, uh, one of those uh, vinyl mats, and then the, you, and you, know, you water, water it down, it. and the guys can yeah. have a lot of fun sliding across that thing. It's You can teach it, but it's also a lot of fun at the same time. But there's also the hook slides. Yeah. The, uh, and the, when you know, they the, do that, they get out some soap and some bubbles, and they oh, play yeah. Justin Bieber, and they take their shirts off. A lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. Don't right, knock yeah. it till you try it. A lot of fun. And you can actually – I'll tell you what, Big Dog. I, one thing I mastered in baseball, not many things. Couldn't hit. Not very good fielder. But uh, I did master the stand-up slide. I was a slow runner, but a smart runner. But I could do the stand-up slide very effectively. You know, when you slide in and just automatically scoop right back up? That would be the pop-up slide. Coach. Yeah, the pop-up slide. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever taught it to me. Just my natural, minimal athletic ability came through. Back in your young days, I don't want to get too personal, big dog. I didn't know you back then, but how were you at the pop-up slide? Uh, I was I was decent at it. I have to admit, I, I went head first a lot. We used to just drive my uh, coaches crazy. Just, I used to drive me crazy. I love Ricky Henderson. So I, I basically went in uh, head first almost all the time, Coach. Mm-hmm. 
Which it's, it's easy to get up to. I, I, don't, I don't. But the pop up side, I have worked on it on the Eric Better okay. Home Baseball Camp. I used to go to every single uh, year in Darien. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Back then, were you using the Palm Pilot or were you more of a handheld guy? Uh, well, back then, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't get. I didn't have hair yet. If you know what I'm saying. So. <laughs> Uh, like I said, I didn't want to get too personal, but you know, I had to, we're trying to get, you know, better big dog. You know, it's, it's, we're still fairly new with this internet sports talk show. It's my job as host to get, to, to bring you out so the listeners can feel more in touch with you. Oh, hopefully you appreciated my answer then. I do appreciate that. A couple of our listeners, by the way, if they get any more in touch with you, they might get arrested. So let's, uh, let's all remain professional and above board here in the two guys in a mic show. If we could, by the way, if you do want to email us as hung low, Harry did, you can uh, send us an email at Mike two guys, AOL.com. That's M I C and the number two, Mike two guys, AOL.com. David Olson, when um, Joel brought up the name of uh, Billy Buckner, it sounded like it hit a particular nerve with you. Have you had a past experience with a Bill Buckner? Uh, no, programming note, Bill Buckner will be a guest today on Sports and Torts really? at noon with Elliot Harris and uh, David Spada. Live? Live at 1230. Yeah, ask him if uh, why he couldn't bunt considering how good of a hitter and, <laughs> and stick handler he was. I'm sure that'll be the first question right out of the box. Bill, <laughs> great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Why the hell couldn't you bunt? <laughs> 2,700 career hits. Yeah. He used to be a speed guy before you had no ankles. Uh-huh. You know. <laughs> Man, right. and he was really rocking that Ron Burgundy mustache back in the 70s. Oh, yeah, oh, that, yeah, yeah. he looked fantastic. Actually, they, Ron, Burgundy, when he, Ron Burgundy wore the Bill Buckner mustache. That's how good it was. That's how good it was. 888-463-6748, the phone number, Big Dog, and the coach at your service up until 11 o'clock in Triple Eight. 463-6748, dial it up, talk some sports with user-friendly sports talk radio, Big Dog College basketball last night. First of all, you watch the games on TV, and you know March Madness is coming because half the broadcast now, they're talking about teams' uh, strength of schedule, RPI. Who's on the bubble? March Madness has officially hit because we're talking about all that stuff. I don't know how significant it is, but uh, what's your RPI? Uh, what, what, what's the, is that ro- rotations per? I, I'm not exactly sure what my RPI is, Coach. Can you can you define this for me? Uh, no, but thank you for asking. I think it has something to do with straight the schedule, but teams on the bubble, all that good stuff. I'll tell you, Big Do, I, I, I only had time to tape one game last night and watch it. And I went away from, I've been a big Big Ten guy this year, watched a lot of Big East basketball. Mm-hmm. I looked down my schedule. I did something I haven't done for a while, picked out what I thought was going to be a great game. Two teams that I haven't seen all year, probably the only guy in Chicago watching these two teams play. It was a great game. Kansas State at Nebraska. Yeah, well, Nebraska's playing a lot better lately. Yeah. And, uh, Kansas State, you know what it is, is that Frank Martin, I, he kind of bothers me because it almost oh. seems like he's the fake tough guy. Like he's just doing it to do it. Yep. I really don't think that's I, – I, he seems fake tough to me. And and he tries to intimidate, you know, the stare yeah, exactly. down of his players. The yeah, ang- yeah, you know, people down. And yeah. yeah get, you, you, whatever, get, I'd put you over my lap. And get the hell out of my face. I don't need you. You know, I, I, I can't stand the dude. I, I, yes, I, I agree 100% yeah. with you, Coach. Maybe he's cool off the court and the players seem to respond to it, but – well, you can't have any fun playing. You lose your creativity when you got a coach that's out there trying to intimidate. You make one mistake, calls timeout, you come back to the huddle and give you the, the major stare down or 
just, uh, you know, beat you down verbally in front of uh, 15,000 fans. But it was at Nebraska. Cornhuskers were coming off their biggest college basketball win in many, many a year. The crowd was going nuts. Kansas State, both teams on the bubble. So I thought it was a good game to pick, and sure enough, it was. Kansas State ended up uh, winning the game. But it was a great environment, great ball game, and uh, you know, it's fun sometimes to watch two teams you haven't seen before. I, I, I got a little culture yesterday in uh, Big 12 basketball. Now, what is the attendance over there at Nebraska? Was that place sold out, Coach? It was sold out, and it was, okay, cool. uh, you know, it's, it's a football school first, but believe me, those fans, they get into their basketball. The, the yeah. arena did not look that big, though. Okay, but still, they had 10,000 people out there? Or I would guess. Less of that? I would guess. Okay. That's cool, because there's really not much to do in Nebraska. Because, nope. like, the the, the nope. Omaha AAA Royals, the, suppose the, where they play the College World Series at, at that stadium, mm-hmm. suppose they average, like, 20000 a game for a AAA yep. team. So oh, yeah. they support their sports teams out there in Nebraska. And we all know about Nebraska football. It hasn't been an empty seat since, like, 1930. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, now, Nebraska basketball, be nice to see them come back. They haven't been to the tournament since 1998. They got a guy playing center, comes off the bench. I think he... Started the season like 360 pounds. He's down to 320. Dude is huge. He was a junior college All-American, like 6'11", 7 feet, 320 pounds. Nothing junior dude. about that guy. Huh? Nothing junior about that guy. No. No. Only the college was junior about him. But Kansas State won, and they are led by an All-American candidate who uh, played his basketball here in the city of Chicago, Jacob Pullen, oh, who looks like he's... Off. He looks like he's about 32 years old, but somehow he's a college senior and he can play, big dog. He's an African-American leprechaun. <laughs> you put a green hat on that dude and you'd be like, wow, it's, that's the first black uh, black leprechaun I've ever seen in my life. It's a good analysis. Seriously. I mean, legitimately, I, I can just see him. Why are you stealing me gold? Guy's got some jets, though, I'll tell you that. Oh, he's good. I, I like the kid. I, I yeah. should have went to Illinois. Yeah, he struggled first half of the season because he was a preseason first team All American, but uh, the last the couple whole, the whole getting free benefits from Woolworths or whatever the the local. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna get free clothes, coach, don't get it from Goldblatt. You know, shouldn't you be getting it from like Nordstrom or something like that? I mean, seriously, <laughs> I I was not aware oh, of this story. Free tough skin guys, oh, that's gonna cost you five basketball games. Really? Okay. You know, come on. I I was not aware of this story, so he got suspended for a few games. Yeah, that's why he struggled early okay. on. So, because he couldn't, you, you can't even practice with the team and all that. So, it was almost like an injury. You know what I mean? That's you know, you go a couple of weeks without practicing with your team. That's that's. Mm-hmm. All right, talk a little college, college hoops here, big dog and the coach. You want to check in triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Maybe we have some listeners out in the Nebraska area want to call in and uh, brag about their basketball team. They lost yesterday. They're still in the bubble. Chance to make the tournament. It's been over a decade since they have. By the way, uh, 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 announcer Kara Lawson, female color announcer. Uh-huh. I've heard her in studio for the women's NCAA tournament. She's uh, I've never heard her broadcast a game, but she's for a couple of years now been the final four, you know, up in the booth. Um, uh, regular announcer, not, not on the court, but up in their uh, press box. But she was the color announcer in yesterday's game, dog. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, I learned some stuff from Carol Lawson. The best compliment I can give her is, is after a while, it wasn't like, oh, I'm listening to a girl color announcer. It was, I'm listening to a really good color analyst. Gotcha. I don't know if you remember her playing Carol Lawson. She was about 5'9 guard, played for Pathead Summit and the Tennessee Volunteers. 
Uh, I have to admit, Coach, I, I don't know who you're talking about. Okay. Maybe if I start, she's ESPN. Was that an ESPN game? Uh, ESPN and you. Okay. So then I guarantee I've seen her because uh, they have an awful lot of females doing basketball, men's and women's. So really, that, that do uh, color broadcasting for men's games. Okay. Okay. I haven't heard many. But she's good. She is very good. How about Notre Dame knocking off Providence? 94-93. The Big East has been so exciting. Marshawn, is it Burris? 52 points. All-time wow. Big East scoring record. 52 points, and they still lose the game, Big Dog. Hard to believe. Yeah, it, it, I mean, and normally you don't see 90 points scored in a in a Big East game for two teams. I mean, how often does that happen? It's probably only happened a handful of times. I mean, that, that conference is known for, you know, 66 to 60 games, and, they, you know, just bloody in everybody's nose. You don't see that very often. Wow. 94-93, what a big win for Notre Dame. They continue to be a top-10 team. If it ended right now, Big Dog, Notre Dame probably number two seed in the NCAA tournament. Without a doubt. If it ended right now, and they're controlling uh, being a two seed, without a doubt. If they go, if they run the table all the way, uh, win the Big East tournament, the way things are going, they possibly can get a number one coach. It's not that out of a question, mm-hmm. depending on what else, because it's not like those, the, the well, Ohio State's going to get one. I think no matter what, I can't imagine them collapsing. But uh, Kansas, Texas, Duke—I mean, are they how, how much of a stranglehold do they have on a number one? Uh, it's really up in the air. That's what we're talking about right now. There's not so many bubble teams this year. There's there's only a few as as opposed to most years. But there's a lot of jacking for position. I mean, like Illinois is kind of like a, a bubble team. They can win a bunch of games in a row and end up being like a four or five seed. Mm-hmm. Well, let's I mean, legitimately. Let's so. go down the list, and I think you're right. And how many teams right now, if things break their way, we're pretty late now. We're a week at most, two weeks away from the conference tournaments. How many teams could still be number one seeds if things fall right? Obviously, Duke, Ohio State, Kansas, and Pitt. They're the top four right now. Texas, Texas. San Diego State, and BYU, I think both have possibilities. Yeah, well, they're, they're depending on what happens for those other ones. So mm-hmm. that's seven teams that we just we we just named well, Notre think, Dame. I think you got to go eight. I think you got to go Purdue too. Uh, I, I'm with you on Purdue because Purdue can still win the Big Ten. If you win the Big Ten, I think you deserve a number one seed this yeah. year. And they're twenty three and five. Now after that, you got Notre Dame, Arizona, Georgetown, Wisconsin. I don't think those. I don't are know wrong. about Arizona. And Wisconsin can't win the Big Ten anymore, yeah. Coach. Yeah. So. Even, and, uh, even if I, they win the Big Ten tournament, I think they'd be a two-seed, not a one-seed. Yeah. By the way, team to watch out for that I've seen play a couple times out of the Southeast Conference. Billy Donovan has got his ball club back again. The Florida Gators quietly, quietly creeping up the rankings. I think they're like number 11 or 10 right now, but they're pretty good, dude, uh, Big Dumb. Yeah, he's a, he's a heck of a coach, Billy Donovan. Yep. Every year he seems like they, they get better and better as the year progresses. Usually the sign of a great coach. Got a 5'8", 5'9". They might list him at 5'10", but he's about 5'7". Last name is Irvin at point guard. And, boy, he can get to the basket, whatever he wants. Strong dude. And they also have a rare white kid that can play at Florida. His name is Chandler Parsons. But they're pretty good. Pretty good team. They they always have a good white dude at, at Florida. They always yeah. got one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's part of the Florida tradition. It's written in their program. You know, This year's designated good white dude. <laughs> Doesn't make the rest of the white players instead on the end of the bench feel very good, but you got to have one to at least, you know, keep things kosher, if you say, know what I mean. 
Yeah, you, you, you got to give like the engineering major some that you're about to come to the game. <laughs> By the way, speaking of Purdue, uh, what used to be the rivalry has diminished a little bit because of Indiana's misfortunes the last three years, but it still is one of the best rivalries in all of college basketball, and it was last night. Purdue and Indiana. Purdue knocked off Indiana 62-50. Uh, I'm sorry, 72 61, great tradition. The state of Indiana, big dog. They love their basketball, but the Hoosiers could not get it done last night. Yeah, uh, the Big Ten Network ranks that as the number one basketball uh, rivalry in the Big Ten. I'm going to have to agree with them. Wow. Yeah, they have uh, they have Illinois, Indiana, number two, and uh, you know I, I would agree with that. The two biggest ones involve uh, Indiana, so uh, it's Indiana, Purdue, and Indiana, Illinois is the two biggest rivalries, and I'd have to agree with both of those. Where did the Northwestern Iowa matchup that make the top ten? It did not make the top Shocking. ten. Shocking. Illinois, Iowa, they considered number nine. That's overall. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And uh, the other ones on there were uh, Wisconsin, Michigan State. Uh-huh. That that's uh, it's always pretty big. And like Iowa, Minnesota. I didn't realize how much those two states hate each other, coach. Yeah, uh, football is the same way. It's a big football yeah. game as well. Yeah, it's yeah. They, there was there's there's a lot of disdain there in uh, you know obviously Ohio State, Michigan. That was number ten. It was just out of symbolism. Because mm-hmm. they said people are talking smack about football while there's basketball games going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no matter what, you, you lose both basketball games, and you're still, we still beat you in football. And that's, that's like the Trump part. <laughs> uh, Ohio State, as good as they've been in basketball for a number of years, they've had some down points. But overall, pretty good tradition the last 30, 40 years in basketball. They really, in the Big Ten, you know, with Ohio State basketball I'm talking about, don't really have a great, what I would call, rival. You know, yeah, game. You're, you're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. You know, I was watching Illinois Ohio State today. I was really disappointed noticing that there were thousands of empty seats. Thousands. And I'm like, what other Big Ten school besides Penn State does not sell out? And they have the at that point the number three team in the country, and they and they still had thousands of empty seats. And it was just because the students are in school because it's the middle of February. Mm-hmm. A little disappointing, especially considering they get 110,000 yeah. off a of football game. It's a problem. It's a problem with college kids today. Way too much uh, emphasis on academic studying, not enough on getting out there and supporting your sports teams. No doubt, you can't go out there for for two hours. You know, yeah. It's not. It's not like you have to be totally wasted when you're at these games. <laughs> Me and my younger son, who's the sports fan, and my older son, who's the non-sports guy, is uh, going to start to visit colleges. Uh, spring vacation, we're going to bandy about a little bit big dog and uh, take our first look at colleges but me and my younger son have already told my older son before you pick your college we would like to know what the recruiting class looks like so we can you know judge if the next four years the basketball program will be good or not that you too i, I like you guys i like the way you and david think <laughs> seriously legitimately yeah so. yeah and now is uh, now is, is your oldest going to a, a school that has like a good hunting program <laughs> why do you ask that just wonder. I, I, I can imagine your oldest, like right now, like uh, you know, killing a bear, and you're going to come home one day, and you're going to have like a grizzly, like laying in your in your living room. <laughs> I, I, it's a funny thought, but why are you why are you saying that? I don't quite get it. Well, he's the one that likes to, like uh, shooting stuff up, right? Oh, are you talking about like the Nerf gun battles? Well, but it's going to eventually. You know, like uh, the Nerf guns are they're a gateway gun. Coach. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, so I can expect him to get into hunting in the not too distant future. Hopefully, not not too much of a progression with the gun. 
We, well, we you never know. Yeah, depending on, on, on what happens with uh, like galactic alignment and stuff, he, he might need to be able to fend for himself. That might the, not be a bad thing. The, so. <laughs> the Nerf guns are a gateway gun, huh? Yes, it is. I, I may have to bring that one home. That's nicely done. My, my shooting accuracy was never good. I did develop a strategy, though, Dave, because I was never good in, like, riflery or archery. So what I started to do was I would shoot first, and then whatever I hit, I would call that the target. My accuracy improved much better. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. 888-463-6748. The week's almost over, right? Huh? The week's almost over, right? <laughs> all right. Uh, with that fine comment, Big Dog, we will take a quick break. When we come back, we got to get to some NBA basketball. There's a team uh, taking on the Chicago Bulls tonight. I believe they're called the Miami Heat. little showtime for Derek Rose and company. little NBA talk when we come back, okay? Yeah, pretty interested in what's going on in that game, Coach. Okay. Oh, we've we still got to finish off when we come back. There's one college game we didn't talk about, the most dramatic and depressing. The most dramatic and depressing finish of all the games yesterday. We'll talk about that little hoop talk when we come back. 888-463-6748. Big Dog and the Coach at your service. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joel radwanski on talkzone.com quick note big dog want to welcome back our chicago blackhawk coach joel keenville behind the bench today he was out almost a week with a bleeding ulcer you're a man of uh had your share of health melodies over the years have you ever had or experienced the bleeding ulcer no, no, I, I, I have uh, never experienced the coach, luckily, but I, I do have a remedy for Joel Quinville. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, better puck movement and better goaltending. <laughs> he said the bleeding ulcer is not stress-related. The doctor said that. How is that possible? I don't know. I would have thought so as well. Mm-hmm. But don't mess. Don't mess with a bleeding ulcer. When I say don't mess with it, don't let it go. If you feel pain down there, you might have that because uh, I did have a, uh, and sadly, i got to use the past tense now, but a fairly good friend of mine who a couple of years ago, Big Dog, uh, his somebody found him in his apartment, uh, and he had uh, died. And they found out, and he never went to a doctor, didn't believe in going to doctors, found out he had a bleeding ulcer, didn't take care of it, and basically internally bled to death. So it can be very serious. You know, to, wow. Yeah, it's wow. That's 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 sad. Pretty strong, pretty strong. But uh, I, don't, I don't believe in going to doctors either. But that means I try to take care of myself. Well, you could take care of yourself all you want. You still need to uh, go to the doc on occasion. Maybe not every single year, but occasionally you got to go over there and turn and cough so they can check you out. Well, I I, I try to go there just so I can turn and cough. <laughs> uh, 
Why did I feel like I was falling into that trap? <laughs> we even talked to our in-studio doctor, David Olson. Maybe uh, for tomorrow's show we can get him on, Dr. Arno Schwarzenegger, our fine uh, sports doctor. We had another guy that was helping us out, too. What was his name? You're not talking about Udo Erasmus, are you? No, Udo Erasmus. Um, I haven't talked to him for a while. He's a real doctor, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, all I know is that guy, he wants to check prostates way too yeah. often. Yeah. Well, he's if I remember correctly, he's the big fish oil guy. Yes, he is, coach. Yeah, the omega threes and the fish oils and uh, why you're a you're a big fish oil guy, right? Big though, you lived up to that on occasion. Oh, you know, absolutely, coach. Uh, I, I I thoroughly believe in it. So, uh, it, it, it basically what it does it helps your cardiovascular, it helps your heart, it helps your lungs. Uh, it's actually you know it's, it's really good. It's it's good for your skin. It's good for your memory. Pretty much, uh, you should. Eat fish in order to get it, not have to take the tablets. But if you're not eating enough fish, if you're not eating enough flaxseed, uh, it's good to take the tablets. You mm -hmm. should definitely take the tablets. Okay. So. Back at our old show, we used to have a toilet flushing sound effect. This would be about the time the toilet flushing sound effect would come into play. But in lieu of it, Big Dog, we can just use our imagination. Unless you're anywhere near a toilet, Big Dog, then maybe you could provide that for us. Uh, no, Coach. I, I could walk into the other room and do it. Actually, I, I, I was just... I, I just saw something on TV that I'm just absolutely amazed yeah, by. Yeah, I think I saw the same thing. The, the coach drilling yep. the player? Yep. Uh, what the heck was that? Well, well, first of all, describe what we're watching on ESPN here. Apparently there's a controversy. The coach has been suspended, but describe what you're uh... – Basically, it looked like a coach Bobby Knighted some young boy in the <laughs> chest. And, I, and I, I'm talking about – like. I, I don't know. That's either it's either a small college or a high school. Mm -hmm. And this coach came flying up and threw an elbow right in the kid, a forearm, I should say. That's a little different. Right into this kid's chest and went tumbling. And as the kid went on the ground, he kind of like kicked him in his butt on his taint, which is pretty close to something that could hurt really bad, and was yelling, "Get up to the kid!" Mm -hmm. he, the kid guy should never coach again. Yeah, in defense of the coach, and I'm not going to really defend the coach, but but in defense of the coach, sometimes you get so wrapped up in a particular drill. And that's what they were doing. They were doing a big man post toughen up drill. And let's just assume this guy. And by the way, the guy that he pushed, the player was huge. Yeah, he was huge. This guy's a big dude. So let's just assume that this guy's big, but he has not been playing tough, not physical enough. So they're trying to toughen him up. They're trying to get him motivated. Well, he went too far, and he clearly got caught up into the drill. And, and first of all, they shouldn't have had a camera going. But you're right; he comes in and levels him with the forearm, drives him down to the ground. He's trying to teach him to be strong. Hold your feet, don't get pushed down. Now, what makes it worse is once the guy's on the ground, then he goes over and gives him a kick too. That's not good. Yeah, that that's what bothered me, yep. coach. That's what bothered me was the kick. Yep. Um, that that's the other stuff. Yeah, you lose control. You're trying to. Show something to a guy what you got to do, and you hit him, and you're like, "Why well, just knock the kid over?" Then you kick him and yell at him to get up. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw something when I was a freshman at McMurray College. We've had we had some amazing coaches while I was while I was balling down at McMurray. One of them on our wrestling team was Dave Clem, and I know you're not going to know any of these names, but Dave Clem was a heavyweight wrestler, Olympics, and when he is the only person in the history of the planet to beat Bruce Baumgartner. Do you know who that is? Coach? I do remember Bruce Baumgartner, yep. 
Okay, Bruce Baumgartner was a heavyweight with one loss ever. He was like a four-time Olympic heavyweight mm-hmm. champion, maybe only three times, but at least three times. And Dave Clem beat him. So we, uh, the guy was an excellent coach. And my best friend, Craig Butler, you know him, his son, Big Ben Rossos Butler. Okay. okay. Well, one day we were playing like like floor hockey or something in the gym, and, and Coach Clem, being a good guy, refereed the games for everybody because everybody knew nobody was going to argue with Coach Clem. Well, he made a bad call, and everybody got on Coach Clem, and he was, like, laughing, yeah, 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 whatever. Even I was, like, making fun of him, and he didn't like that because next thing you know, Butler is like, oh, you got to get your head on your butt. And he turned at Butler and ran at him, Coach, because this was the guy that he worked with two, three hours a day. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, his student, like, screamed at him. And he ran at full speed and threw an forearm in the butler. And Butler hit the ground and bounced. I have never seen a collision like that in my life. <laughs> and he just turned and walked out of the building. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Butler, and, like, you know what I'm saying? A coach snapped and lost it. It wasn't like I'm trying to be a tough guy. It was all of a sudden his coach, <laughs> his pupils talking smack to him. And he didn't kick him. And didn't, he just walked away. And he went right to his office, and immediately Coach Clem like broke down. He's like, "I can't believe I just hit a student like that," mm-hmm. you know. And my buddy Butler is like in tears, like, "I can't believe I said that to my coach." They both are going towards like the office, and the other one's going towards the dorm room. They meet halfway and start out, and then they all get out. It was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. Coach. And back so, then, you could—I don't want to use the word "get away with it," but um, it typically would not become a bigger story nowadays. With so much publicity on that, with uh, adults abusing kids, et cetera, et cetera, the odds are something like that is going to become uh, a major problem nowadays, i.e. lawsuit, i.e. teacher getting suspended. Not automatic. I'm sure it happens where it doesn't, but all it takes is one person to speak up, somebody gets wind of it, and next thing you know, you got a lawyer giving you a disposition. Yeah, yeah, that's, that disposition. was the 1990, 1991 school year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, I remember how both the, how bad they both felt, you know. And you know, the coach like my my buddy Bo was like, I was just having a little fun. He's like, I could care less about some floor hockey game, and you know. But I, I honestly, coach, that may be the best hit I've ever seen in my entire life. It was awesome. <laughs> it was uh, awesome on the floor hockey field. As a side note, by the way, one of the greatest sports of all time: intramural high school floor hockey. Some of my fondest memories in high school were on the floor hockey court. Yeah, this was uh, this was uh, uh, college intramural football. Oh. Wow, so you don't, you don't want to referee a, that. Oh, oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, all I know is that was the last year we ever played that. To be honest, we couldn't. We didn't. It was no fun, coach. Yeah, I, I remember learning very quickly as a young freshman or sophomore: never referee upperclassmen intramural sports in college. That is a no-win situation. I don't know what they're paying you, 10, 15, 20, 25, whatever they're paying you, it's not enough because you will take abuse not only at the game, but you see these guys later on, again, a freshman or sophomore trying to referee a junior, senior basketball or flag football, forget about it. You get abused on a regular basis. Yeah, I wouldn't even bother. I yeah. wouldn't even, like, referee in intramural sports in college, no. Now, if you go to that school, it's just, it's not worth it, Coach. And especially somebody who... You know, gets paid to referee games. Yep. People are stupid. Really, I mean, the the amount of abuse that I've taken over people who have no idea what the rules are <laughs> just crack me up. Like I'm just like, oh god, this guy, yeah. not this guy again. You know, and I've told people before the game, I'm like, listen, if you even start on me, I'm gonna throw you out of the game. That's uh, that's how I start out, coach. I don't know if I like that. See, then well, you, no, then no. you're creating an adversarial relationship. I'm not the best 
ref in the world. I think I'm pretty good. I don't know the rule book, but I know the game. I think I have pretty good instincts for the game. But I'm always, I've never, I don't think I've ever called a technical on any coach because if you create the right attitude, if you don't put on this like hard ass attitude as a referee and you you work with the coach and not against him, I think. Uh, and same thing with the players. So I don't, I don't know if I like your coming up to the guys beforehand. Well, you know what? I, I really shouldn't say because I really don't take any abuse compared to what the other guys take. Oh my goodness. So I, I really don't. It's not like I get lambasted, but I but do this... make fun of the people. I really do. I shouldn't say like I'm a tough guy about it. Uh-huh. I, I will make fun of people. Like uh, I, I do remember one day this uh, this guy yelled at my opposing ref and he screamed, "You suck!" Okay, and it just so happens that he ended up buying me like a few minutes later in the game, the quarterback who had yelled at my opponent. I was like, hey, you knew you just yelled to my buddy that uh, he sucked. I was, like, I was like, you know you had four interceptions in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> Referee trash <laughs> talking to the quarterback. Team, in front of his whole team. I'm not kidding you, Coach. Uh-huh. I, that team was the worst team in the league for bitching. And I swear to you, after that, they never bitched again when I, when I did a game. Mm-hmm. Because they were like, man, don't, don't call me out for dropping a ball or something. There, there tends to be a clear, uh, at the recreational level, a clear directorial uh, response between the ability of the team and how much they argue with the ref. Yeah, that's yeah, it's 100%. 100%. Yeah. All right. yeah, like I, I saw this one guy dominating this one guy, just killing him, an offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. And the rest of his team is just screaming and crying. And I'm like, you know, the best players in the state, I walk up to the guy. And I'm like, you're the, you're the only guy who doesn't complain on the team. He's like, yeah, I appreciate that. And I'm like, where'd you play ball at? He's like, yeah, I was a starting offensive tackle at Iowa for three years. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. He's uh, like, yeah, I'm never playing with these guys again. So. <laughs> All right. 888-463-6748. Folks, dial it up. Talks to sports coach and the big dog. Let's get back. One quick note in college basketball. Then let's get to uh, NBA news and notes. All kinds of stuff happening as the trade deadline comes. But uh, we forgot to mention a uh, unbelievable finish again in the Big Ten, Wisconsin and Michigan. And I said it was, uh, I forget the expression I said right before the break, but it was uh, it was dramatic. And depressing, a dramatic three-point shot by Josh Gasser for Wisconsin off the backboard. He was not aiming for the backboard. He misfired the shot, goes in off the backboard, down two, hits a three at the buzzer to win it. I call it depressing, Big Doug, because it was at Michigan. The Wolverines are coming off a horrible football season. Their basketball team's starting to make a run. They're starting to build up the enthusiasm. They're on the bubble. A win here, and they might be in the Big Ten tournament, and a bank shot prayer goes in at the buzzer. I hate to root against Wisconsin, but I felt bad for the Michigan Wolverine. Well, you know, they kind of, they're trying to get over that hump, and, you know, they, yep. they could have done a lot earlier. They could have made some more free throws to, to avoid being in that situation, coach. And, you know, they're, they're really our borderline. They're, they're 65 RPI right now. They've got a like they have a two and nine record against the top fifty in college basketball. So I, I don't know if Michigan's actually going to make it yeah. in. It'd it, it be right. nice to see because yeah. I, I think they can perform well in the tournament because the Big Ten is loaded. You know, so when these Big East and Big Ten teams get mm-hmm. into the tournament, I think they're all going to do some damage. It is Just, a team know, a lead eight with six Big East and Big Ten teams. Oh, easily, easily mm-hmm. the depth of both those conferences, more so the Big East and the Big Ten, but uh, Michigan. Michigan, the football team may be spiraling downwards. The basketball team is on the come, my friend. And uh, they got a young team. The best way I can describe it is early in the season and last year, Zach Novak was their best player. 
Now, I like Zach Novak, but if he's your best player, you're finishing ninth in the Big Ten. Now, as the season has progressed, Zach Novak is their fourth best player. That's the best way I can describe how Michigan has become a better team, and their freshman center is going to be a horse to deal with the next three years. Morgan is really, really good. Yes, yes, that kid can play, Coach. Yep, and a freshman. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think he's I don't think he's going to leave for the pros no, anytime soon. That's exactly it. He's just not quite good enough to go for the pros. So you're right. He'll play there for the next three years. Big Ten coaches are going to uh, have Fitz try to defend him. Darius Morris, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., the freshman. Even though his last name is Junior, he still is a freshman. That's a ball club on the come. Watch out for the Michigan Wolverine. But what a shot by another freshman, Big Doug Josh. Gasser, who uh, is going to be a flat-out star for the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm a hundred percent still a flat-out star. He's going to be good, though, Coach. He's going to be good. I don't think he's going to be like uh, like all Big Ten or anything like that. Oh, I do. First team, at least. I you do. Know, I think by, honorable mention. I think by junior. I think by the end of his career, just based on what I've seen, he'll go down as one of their favorite players, one of their better players of all time. Even, even if he's not. Long, that's a long list, Coach. You got Brian Butch. Brian who? Brian Butch. Brian Butch. David Beard. You know, all the slow white dudes that they've had at uh, at, at Wisconsin. <laughs> okay. The, right. the, the Bullinger kid. I don't remember him. Bullinger for Wisconsin? Yeah, they've they got a bunch of really thick white dudes mm-hmm. that, that uh, can pop out and hit the 15-foot jump shot. Uh, I like the red-headed sophomore. They got two Bushwitz. God bless you. Mike Brushowitz. All right, uh, quickly, let's move to the NBA basketball here. Uh, Chicago Bulls lost last night. They finally get Joakim Noah back, but the uh, Toronto Raptors knock him off 118 to 113. Noah did get 16 rebounds, big dog. The offense was fine. The only problem is the defense uh, completely fell apart. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't get to see the game last night, Coach. Uh, actually, uh, was, was dragged out and, and saw the movie uh, uh, The King's Speech. Phenomenal. So I didn't get yes. to watch the Bulls game last night. I was going to watch it on tape when I got home, but it was ruined by a cabbie. So. Why, 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 why did, 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 didn't you see, see, see the game? It was a good movie, Coach. It was phenomenal, uh, by the way. I, I did need you, to see it. Have you seen it? I have not. My wife said it's phenomenal. Every Everybody I've talked to said it's very good. I, I do need to see it. It'll win the Academy Award. It's expected to sweep the Oscars. Yes. I, 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 I expect it to, to also. Phenomenal, Coach. It was really good. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so I can't explain why that they let Andre Bargnani driving through the lane and dunking on people. Come on, that hasn't happened since he played in Turkey. They shot Tor- <laughs> Tor- Toronto shot fifty eight percent for the game. Big Doug. They also scored one hundred and eighteen points. This is a real rarity, and did not convert a single three pointer. Wow, that's pretty amazing. That's what, that's what it seemed like. Okay, I didn't watch it, but like when I was watching the highlights, every single Toronto highlight was a Toronto player dribbling to the hole and dunking the ball. Yep. And I mean, like, come on. And, like, you know, Joe Kim Noah's back. They're supposed to have great interior defense again. So I'm not blaming Joe Kim, but, like, you know, maybe it's just the first day back, you know, that you don't know where to go, rotate. And I'm sure he wasn't on the floor for all those dunks, but mm-hmm. not, not the way we – I know he had 16 rebounds, but that's not the way I, we wanted him to. Well, if so, I could play part-time psychologist, I just came up with this thought, and I think it's a pretty damn good thought. Is it possible that the Chicago Bulls' Joakim Noah comes back and not 
consciously but subconsciously, the rest of the Bulls teammates, particularly the forwards and the centers, let up just a little bit. They lose their defensive edge, knowing that they've got the shot blocker or the rebounder Noah back. Without him, they played with that edge, and they were just really tough, tight on defense. Maybe having Noah back, big dog, they lost that edge, and that's why they gave up so many uncontested shots. Well, hopefully they wake up and and they don't do that again because they need to be tough uh, on interior defense. Coach. Yep. Absolutely. All right, they're playing the uh, Miami Heat tonight. Give us a scouting report on the Miami Heat. I'm not familiar with any of their players. Uh, they got a they've got a really good guy by the name of Eddie House. He's an excellent <laughs> shooter. James Jones, the, the NBA three point champion, can flat out drain it. Mike Miller has more tattoos than than offensive game, uh, and that's about it, Coach. Okay, that's big three couple other guys that can score a little bit, but uh, should be an easy W even though it's on the road. Without a doubt. Okay. Thank you for that, Scotty. I like you know, your All sc- the way from Toronto to Miami in one day. That's a rough trip. Yeah, it is. It's a rough trip. By the way, have you seen or did you hear Scotty Pippen? I thought this was kind of odd. Scotty Pippen has been added to the TV broadcast now, along with Stacey King and Neil Funkmeister. They don't need to add Scotty Pippen to the broadcast. What's Scotty Pippen going to bring to the broadcast? Well, I, he did some games, was it about two, three, maybe four years ago when Johnny Kerr was having some health problems? I have nothing against Pippen. All he wasn't I'm bad. to you, coaches, honestly, I, like I understood when they brought in somebody when when Johnny Red Kerr was back there. Folk and King are an unbelievable listen to. They are phenomenal, coach. They did not need to tinker with that. Yeah. I just don't understand why. I'm really surprised that you're telling me this. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, and it's not a shot at Scotty Pippen, as you said, because I was surprised when I heard him do color on occasion. He was pretty good, but you're right. Uh, Stacey King and, nas- he did national games, too, like TNT, didn't he? A little bit. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, he did TNT. Bit. Yeah, and the other, and he's, he is uh, on staff for the Chicago Bulls, right? Isn't he in some administrative capacity? He's getting a check from them somehow. I'm not exactly sure what he does. Mm-hmm. I think he's a team ambassador. Yeah. You know, much like they're doing with the old Blackhawks, I think he's just in a basket. Okay, so now he's like he's the Dennis Savard of the Chicago Bulls. So then again, we know you were thoroughly underpaid while you played for the Bulls, and uh-huh. now you're bankrupt. So here's here here's ten grand a month. Go out there and say nice things about us. Okay. Hate to so. take away from Stacey King though. He's been on too big, too strong, too quick, too good. He comes up with the most some of the stuff he says <laughs> when he yelled at Kyle Korver. When he went off on the road on, on Martin Luther King Day in, in Memphis, and he says, Coral, Kyle, you're in somebody else's house. Now stop it. You're a guest. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah. that line, that's one of the best of his season. And nobody, they don't play that one. They always play the, the Derrick Rose. I want to go higher. <laughs> what does he do when Omar Ashik gets on a run? I haven't heard him. Oh, he, he does with the Turkish Delight stuff. <laughs> It's the darkest delight deal. Uh, when, uh, when, uh, when the kid from Indiana, Josh McRoberts, got posterized by Ronnie Brewer, yep. and then he then he moved away, and and, and Stacey King said, you, know, you can't run, Ronnie, you can't run, Josh McRoberts. We saw you. You can't hide. You got posterized. I mean, seriously. I mean, that is, it's, you can't teach that. You can go to broadcast school for four years, come out of there, and won't be as good as somebody that can just, Flat out has fun and tells you exactly what he just saw, All and right. it has fun with it. All right, we got the Bulls and Heat tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. Real quick, we should mention the New York Knicks 
I don't even think they held a practice, maybe a brief walkthrough. So Carmelo Anthony, Chauncey Billups, and the rest of the boys, they had no idea of the plays. But, um, yeah, plays are overrated. Big Dog Knicks win their first game uh, easily. Carmelo gets 27, Chauncey Billups 21. The new era of the New York Yicks is off and running. The offense is simple, Coach. When when Melo has it, he's going to shoot. When Amare has it, he's going to shoot. I think I could diagram that play. Yeah, it's pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah. Well, how about the uh, Darren Williams trade to the New Jersey Nets? You've had 24 hours to let it sink in. Darren Williams is struggling with the trade. I think he's just now beginning to accept it. But uh, your thoughts on D-Will becoming a New Jersey Net? You know, isn't this that fine line of you, you like your ego stroked when you realize how much another team gave up in order to get you, but then you realize it and how much the Nets gave up for Darren Williams, Coach? Two first-round draft picks yep. and two players, two decent players. That's a lot. And so you know, all of a sudden you, you go to the New Jersey, there's nothing there. That team is bad, Coach. Yeah, there is now because Darren Williams is a heck of a player. I mean, yeah, I know he's he's. You know how much I love that kid. He's yeah. one of the top six players in the league, I think. By the way, uh, watching the NBA All Star game just helped to confirm Derrick Rose is a rising star. Forget about rising; he has Rose. He's a flat out star. Another guy that is right there with Rose, Russell Westbrook, is going to be a flat out star, and he's not done uh, climbing the hill yet, big dog. So you're you're watching Derrick Rose. Russell Westbrook is right alongside him. He is awfully good and really exciting. They are the future of the Western Conference. I'm talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Because eventually Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili cannot play at this level forever. Kobe Bryant is eventually going to go off into the sunset. Durant and Westbrook. If if Westbrook signs the the extension like Kevin Durant did to stay there, that team can contend for the Western Conference for 10 years in a row. Don't forget Blake Griffin is a rising star, too. All right, we got to wrap it up, dog. Uh, we might be off tomorrow. Might have to do a tape show tomorrow. I will call you about that. But uh, great job today. Stay out of trouble. I don't want to read about you in the old bits and or the crime report. You won't need to, Coach. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. David Olson, our producer, two guys, one mic, signing off.